G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to be talking over this next hour about the power to do what's right and shining a light on some of those inner contradictions that there may be in our lives. Our special guest talking through these issues over this next hour, Dr. Alan Meyer, and uh, you're going to be able to be part of our conversation because our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Alan Meyer studied economics and politics at Monash University in Melbourne before a dramatic encounter with God and was called into Christian ministry. Well, since the early 80s, he's led the church that's called Care Force Church in Mount Evelyn, uh, in the 1990s, Alan, together with his wife Helen, established Careforce Life Keys, a ministry that releases healing, discipleship and evangelism into thousands of churches and organizations in over 20 countries around the world. Alan's doctorate was centered on restoring and fortifying the moral and spiritual integrity of men resulting in a program called Valiant Man. And Alan's passion for biblical themes and insights have touched lives through the Life Keys ministry all over the world. Well, today our focus on the power to do what's right. Alan Meyer, welcome along to 2020. Uh, good to be with you, bro. Good to be with you. Uh, Alan, always love our conversations, and uh, I think today is going to be one of those uh, listeners will be able to get their teeth into, and I think we're going to see ourselves in the sorts of things we'll describe when we talk about the power to do what's right, because uh, most of us battle with that, and I'm even reminded of those words from the Apostle Paul who said, I don't understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And uh, and I'm sure that listeners uh, will have been confused by those words and uh, think deeply about what they actually mean. But, uh, but there is these uh, inner uh, challenges, conflicts, contradictions within us. And there is a challenge, isn't there, in ha- knowing how to do what is right? Yeah, no question about it. It's, um, it's one of the... Uh great challenges of life that um, there are dynamics that go on inside the human heart that uh, call us to greatness and yet there are there's a kind of a darkness there's a struggle that goes on in the human heart that can undo our best intentions okay and people who are outside of the church or have turned their back on god uh, believing that somehow or other everything will be fine, that what is within their own hearts is good in itself. Uh, they're on a, a, a track and, uh, and things perhaps going right at one point, but, uh, but things can unravel fairly easily. How complex is it when we start to talk about the human heart and the, the heart with God and the heart without God? Yeah, well, I think the, um, there are just a number of big building blocks that really help when we uh, discuss something as uh, extensive as this. I think the, the first big issue that we need, uh, we need to put on the table 
is what does it mean to be a human being? Where, where do people come from? Uh, of course, uh, the average Australian today has been schooled in evolutionary thinking and he's convinced that he's the end product of a mindless mechanistic universe. He's the end product of nothing more than physical and chemical accidents. And of course, that creates uh, all kinds of kind of vacuums in uh, understanding the human heart because it kind of paints us as being as coming from nowhere uh, with purpose and going nowhere with purpose. And then we find ourselves alive with all the different pressures of life going on around us and then try to make sense out of that. The, uh, there is a different... I, I, I hold a, a different view. I believe the Bible to be telling the truth when it says that mankind is created in the image of God, that we actually came from somewhere. And if you understand a little bit about God, then it can help you to understand yourself because the Bible says we were created in his image. And so there will be aspects of God's own being that have been reflected in a human, in a human, human being so that uh, the best of us and the worst of us will be in some way a broken reflection of the nature of the God who is there. When you ignore him, then, of course, you have no idea uh, the direction in which we are called. Uh, and then you uh, have to then struggle to try to make sense out of life. So when we're talking about being made in the image of God, it leads us to this thing that happens, and uh, we'd reflect back to the Garden of Eden and what's known as the fall and the effects of the fall on humanity. And this is the brokenness that you're talking about that we all share together. Exactly, and, and it's a... Um it's a, it's a totally ignored issue as far as the average materialistic Australian is concerned. There's just no room in our thinking about humanity for the fall. We just see our struggles as being the end product of our animalistic background. And that's, as, that's about as far then of, uh, about as much insight as we have over the struggle. Um, the, the Bible gives us one of the, one of the most extraordinary and helpful insights into the, the struggle of humanity in that, first of all, it, uh, it illuminates our understanding that there is greatness in humanity because even if it's a broken break, a greatness, even if it's a fallen bro- uh, greatness, there is a greatness in humanity because of our origin. Um, we, are, we were intended to be and we are called to be sons of God. In fact, the Bible, when it's describing the genealogy of Jesus, starts with Jesus. Jesus was the son of Joseph and Joseph was the son of Heli. It goes all the way back to Adam and it says, and Adam was the son of God. So when you're dealing with a human being, the first, the first my father, Adam, was described by, in the Bible as being a, the son of God. Now, that means that the one who called the universe into being has made a child that reflects something of his own image. And, out, and from that comes the greatness of humanity, our intelligence, our creativity, um, our understanding. There, there is this quite common uh, in, internalized awareness that there is basically uh, a rightness about life and there's a wrongness um, about behavior that uh, is very widely understood, if not perfectly understood. It's widely understood and it kind of is summarized for us in the Ten Commandments that there, there's behavior that is worthy of our origin as children of God and there uh, is behavior which is unworthy of our origin as children of God. 
So you have Adam, the first Adam, who is, as you say, uh, this son of God, uh, the son of God made in the image of God. And there was perfection in Adam before that fall. And you've got Jesus, who's known to be the second Adam. And again, you've got this perfect reflection, uh, the son of God, the perfect image of almighty God. But in between the first Adam and the second Adam, we've got all of this stuff that went wrong with the uh, the fall. And, and, and I guess we're still affected by that until we come to relationship with the second Adam. Is that a good way of talking about how we've come from this place of being fallen and how sin affects the way we behave uh, and uh, and the need for connection with a per- perfection who is the second Adam? No, uh, I think Jesus? That's, a re- that's a very a very good summary of the, of the kind of struggle that we're involved in. See, one of the extraordinary things, if you go back to a, pa- a passage in the Bible that's often ridiculed, that Genesis chapter 3, the, the, the fall, um, it, it is a, an extraordinary insight to the psychological and emotional and behavioral struggles that beset humanity s- summarized in such, an, in such a brilliant manner. Uh, take, for example, um, this, this first act of my mother and father, in the Garden of Eden, which is to betray a relationship with the, with the Father. Um, a relationship, the only way that uh, we were called to, um, all we were called to do in the Garden of Eden was to enjoy everything that God had ever given us and to honor one uh, behavioral commitment, and that was to allow the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to be left alone. In other words, God said, you aren't capable of handling the idea of good and evil. You leave good and evil up to me, and everything I've created for you, um, you enjoy it, and you you allow me to to deal with the good and evil stuff. Um, My mother uh, was deceived. She reaches out her hand. She betrays a relationship with God that's got to be based on trust and obedience. And instantaneously, we see a shattering that goes on in the human heart. The very next verse of the Bible says that they knew they were naked and they tried to clothe themselves with fig leaves. Instantaneously, this magnificent creature, human being, is suddenly feels inadequate and exposed and fearful, um, foolish, and we, we see the origin of this shattering of the human heart. There's something wrong with me. Uh, I'm inadequate. Um, I have suddenly fallen from this place of magnificence and even though um, Adam and Eve had never read a theology book, they felt the emotional impact of that. Now let me give you an interesting, um, an interesting example of how this unfolds in people. Um, Pat Cash, when he wrote his book on his life, shared something that shocked even his own family. Um, he, he shared the fact that for years he had struggled with depression. And uh, the only way he knew to handle his depression was to take drugs and that there had been numerous uh, moments where he had been suicidal and was on the edge of of killing himself. And um, the only reason he didn't do that was because he had children and he didn't want to leave his children fatherless. Now, when you ask um, Pash, what's that about, Pash? I mean, Pat, what's what's that all about, Pat? Well, he said, here's the deal. Um, I struggled with fear, the fear of being useless the fear of losing my next match now you're a handsome iconic australian sportsman if there's anybody that has that during the 1980s maybe epitomized the australian sportsman it was pat cash and here's this handsome athletic winner 
when's Wimbledon, 1987? Um, struggling behind the scenes with deep feelings of inadequacy and fear. And his big fear was, I'll lose my next match and uh, then people will think I'm useless. He said, he says this himself, there were times I've been very close to committing suicide. The only reason I haven't gone through it is because I've got children. I'd almost certainly be dead if I didn't have the kids, there's no doubt about that. When his family heard that, they were shocked. Now, what's that about? How can you be this brilliant and at the same time so filled with fear? Well, that's the human condition. The fall has shattered something, um, a deep sense of our identity as sons and daughters of God. And then into the, the broken human heart comes something that's as crazy as a guy like this struggling with fear that he has no idea how to manage. And the only way he knew to handle it was to do drugs to calm his nerves uh, and maintain some kind of a sense of capacity to manage life. Alan, you've got this shattering of identity, but something in all of the shattered identity is still shaping that identity. Uh, And I guess when we start to talk about Christ, we start to talk about some level of healing and realignment of that identity. But, But for those who are outside of Christ, what is it that's shaping the identity today? Well, there's a, there, there are a mixture of things. I mean, the, the inward reality that we are brilliant and made in the image of God has never gone away. It's just that it's so broken that it emerges, it, uh, it unfolds itself in such tragic and unhelpful ways. Sometimes it unfolds well. You, you get uh, somebody who's brilliant at biochemistry and they apply themselves to um, finding an end to polio and they discover a vaccine and millions of people have helped that same um, inward desire for kingship emerges in a person like adolf hitler and in its perversion becomes the final solution to the elimination of the jews and the establishing of the master race and all of the of the nightmare of the second world war this is um, the the call to greatness which undirected without uh, without the spirit of God and without truth from God ends up in the most unhelpful and destructive places. Let's talk about ordinary people in ordinary everyday Australia because people in Australia struggle with these same issues that you begin to talk about and you you know you can name uh, sporting identities like Pat Cash and you can talk about uh, world leaders, historical leaders who've done right or done wrong. Uh, but we're all struggling with these same internal conditions, aren't we? And look, the, the fact is it comes out in people who are well-known and it comes out in every individual who's not well-known in some way or another. Take, for example, uh, this, the fact that we were created as sons and daughters of God and we were created for, for the presence of God, and yet I've never seen God. Now, that creates in people a sense that there's something wrong, there's something missing. Um, When you've been created for heaven and you find yourself alive in the world with longings you cannot put a finger on. In fact, it was C.S. Lewis who said, when I find within myself hunger and, and desire for things that nothing in this world seems to please, it's evidence that I was actually created for a different world. I have appetites and I can't find an answer to that appetite in this life. I think another, and this results in the, the sense that there's something missing in my life. There's something, there's something wrong, and, and people go on a search. 
um, you take somebody like Tiger Woods. Now, here's one of the most one of the most disciplined sportsmen of this current generation, and yet uh, for all of his discipline that that has produced this extraordinary golfing career, he's destroyed his family life because of his own sexual addiction. There's, there's this desire for thrills, the desire to be a winner, the desire to experience excitement. He doesn't even know exactly what it's all about. And so you bump into sex and you begin to pursue sexual fulfillment as an answer to that inward cry for greatness. And the end product of it is that he's destroyed his own integrity, he's destroyed his own family and uh, made himself in many ways an embarrassment. Um, and that will take place to, in all of us to some degree with this cry for this inward cry for, for thirst for something we don't know what it is it leads to people doing ice um, marijuana it leads to people doing drugs and alcohol but it also leads to people getting engaged in performance orientation and people pleasing uh, it, 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 uh, it results in a search for life that just comes out in everybody in some way or another and sometimes it's a very unhelpful way a biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Dr. Alan Meyer, our guest. We're talking about a very important topic, the power to do what's right. You can join in our conversation today, 1-800-316-316. And uh, we want to get into some good conversation, and there's plenty to talk about, believe me. But, Alan, before we go another step further, let's uh, let's take a call or two. Let's hear from Wayne in Bean Lee in Queensland. Uh, Wayne, welcome along to 2020. Yeah, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. What are your thoughts, Wayne? I've been really enjoying uh, Alan's uh, conversation this morning. Uh, <clears throat> there's uh, certainly a massive need for people to know that, that God is a God of love and, and uh, a good God, and we don't have to convince him of that. And I've really been enjoying that. I've just uh, been thinking also that part of what I, what I feel is part of our problem in our communities is um, is it's so alien to the way the world works is this idea of forgiveness and hope. So we can actually, you know, trip over, stuff up, whatever, but is there any hope? You know, we used the example of Tiger Woods before and great bloke got sort of a bit mucked up, probably didn't have anybody around him that really was trying to breathe life and hope into his life. But how do we as, as God's body actually reflect the hope of forgiveness that's the whole reason jesus died as we all know but i think maybe as as you know christians as the body of christ and church we're kind of failing somehow to to reflect that hope and forgiveness of jesus and so when somebody you know wayne that's a really good point let's get a response from alan to what wayne's sharing um good on you wayne um Jesus' intention is beyond forgiveness. Forgiveness is clearly the, the beginning. It's the, it's the door that opens the way. Um, Jesus um, came for us for our restoration, which takes us way beyond forgiveness. In Isaiah 61, uh, Jesus, when he embraced that um, as the job description of his ministry, demonstrated that um, God's purpose is not only to forgive, but uh, beginning with the issue of forgiveness to draw us into a life of extraordinary transformation so much so that Isaiah 61 puts it this way and they shall be called uh, oaks of righteousness the planning of the Lord 
that he might be glorified because God thinks that the best advertisement to his character is a fully restored human life. Uh, when it comes to the issue of restoration, you've got to understand the problem before you can really get to the answer. And when it comes to the struggles that people have to do the right thing, they're not, even, they're not aware uh, of what the dynamics are at work that are constantly tripping them up uh, or what, what is the pathway of transformation. Um, our thought life can be so contradictory to God's intention for our life that it becomes uh, just one stupid thought has the ability to, um, to, uh, to sabotage all of God's great work in your life. And there's story after story in the Bible where we, we see the, the, the power of just a single silly um, ungodly thought to just uh, sabotage the God's desire for not only um, forgiveness but for restoration and the healing of a human life. The, the, the struggle we have with our own body. Take, take, for example, the struggle that people have even doing something like eating correctly. Um, no, nobody in, in Australia smokes thinking any longer that it's a good idea. No, no one smokes thinking, I, I really believe this is healthy and it's good for my life. Uh, the question is then, well, why do you smoke? Well, because my body is crying out for something. It, it, it puts demands on me. My nicotine addiction says, take another cigarette. Everything I might know about health and everything that I want for my, my own physical health says, don't light up that cigarette and don't puff on the thing because with every puff, you're doing yourself harm. And yet it, the power to do what's right uh, seems to be lacking and the very thing that we know we shouldn't be doing is the very thing we're doing. We're blowing our money, destroying our life, and we're doing it one puff at a time, even knowing that this is not the case. We're, the question is, what is the pathway towards um, a life where you actually find yourself being able to do the things that are right and beginning to cooperate with God's intention for a healthy life, a healthy heart, a healthy uh, with salvation, with all of the good things that the kingdom of heaven is on about. Thanks so much to Wayne from Bean Lee. Just a couple of minutes out to news. Let's take another call. Mary Ann is in Adelaide. Hello, Mary Ann. Welcome oh, along. Good, good morning, gentlemen. Need to be I quick, Mary Ann. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say that having gone through, like you said, a thought, you t that thought takes possession. And I found that I had to fight with prayer, with my reasoning, with everything of my being to overcome certain temptations that in, in actual fact I probably wouldn't lift out but it actually took root in my mind and overtook me. But eventually um, I found that um, it broke but it took a great physical toll on me but it changed everything. So I think it's not, sometimes we just want to wish it away and think just a few prayers, but I think it can be quite a battle and not allowing that thought to take root. Mary Ann, there's some good the weapons in your arsenal there for the battle. A quick response uh, from uh, Alan Meyer. Now, now we're getting down to the core of it. Um, how is it that you've got a thought that you know is unhelpful and yet you have to fight against that? What, what's that about? Why don't you just decide that it has no influence upon your life? And the answer is partly because um, thoughts are very powerful things. And um, we're, getting, we're getting now towards the very centre of the issue, and that is the exercise of the will. How is it that you can have a thought, you can judge that it's an inadequate thought, and yet even though that thought is very compelling and would seek to possess your life, 
Where does the strength come from to decide that you will go to war against that thought and you will persist in the war until you've won? Well, today we're focusing on the power to do what's right. And uh, we had to cut short uh, that response that Alan was making to a caller just before the news. Uh, But Alan, if we talk about some of the challenges, uh, you've been talking about uh, issues to do with the way we think, uh, the expression of our culture, Uh, the way our bodies, in fact, uh, respond to stimulus and our emotional state. Uh, Enlarge on those things before we take any more calls. Yeah, can I just make one little correction we probably should make, and that is that uh, I don't lead uh, Care Force Church any longer. I handed that over to another good man, and uh, that church is now known as Discovery Church. Um, but the Care Force Life Keys ministry that began at Care Force Church it does continue on, and uh, that's what Helen and I devote ourselves to. Okay, um, my little uh, fault in my research, so no, apologies no, 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 for that. That's just my failure. I should have made that clear uh, earlier, but that's that's okay. That's fine. Um, the 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 key that we need to appreciate is that there are a cluster of things that uh, have the capacity. To, put, uh, to bring pressure to bear on the direction of our life. The first is the, the way we think. Uh, the, the, the Bible says, you know, that uh, the, the, as a man thinks, so he, so he is. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Another thing that brings tremendous pressure on us is culture, the, the way in which the people around us believe and behave and prioritize life. And the culture that we live in the midst of has tremendous capacity to uh, influence the way we, we think about ourselves and think about what is right and what's wrong. Um, the, the third chap, uh, um, challenge we face is that our body then has demands. It has sexual passions, it's got appetites, it's got longings, it wants to be comfortable, it wants to be excited, it wants to feel pleasure. And so our body has the ability to pressurize us to make choices. And then uh, fourthly, our own emotions, our feelings have the capacity to pressure uh, the direction of our life. But at the centre of all of that, the thing that makes a human being uh, different is that at the core of that there is a human spirit. And the human spirit is the source of will. And will is the ability to choose in opposition to uh, pressure from any other source. So, for example, a thought might come to your, to your head uh, you know, I'd really like to. I'd really like to have sex with that person. Um, that's a thought. The 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 spirit within knows that uh, that's not pleasing to that. Uh, that sex with that person is inappropriate, and the will says that thought, as attractive as it may be, I will not do that. Culture then may come along and say, listen, your sex life is nothing more than a personal entertainment system. Feel free to indulge in masturbation and in fantasy and in pornography because, after all, it's just, you know, sex is just another entertainment uh, area of life. But the human spirit can come and say, I I will not prioritize my life that way against all of that pressure. I will not. Then your body has hormones. Your body says, come on, let's enjoy. The will says, no, I will not. The emotions may say, I feel like I'd like to do it. The spirit has the ability to say, I will, I will not. The thing that makes a human being so extraordinarily different is that at the core of our human life is a spirit. But our spirit was never designed to face the challenges of life alone. And in that Garden of Eden, in the beginning, 
we were created with this capacity to, for our spirit to be tuned to the spirit of God. And I think one of the great insights of life is that we were never designed to do life in isolation. When Jesus came into the world, he said to struggling people, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, a yoke is where two um, oxen or two animals are put together in the same harness and now they're pulling together. You're not doing it alone. And one of the great offers that you'll ever hear, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open the, the door, I'll come in and I'll sup with you. And the greatest, the greatest promise of the new covenant is this. Whoever is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Your spirit, your human spirit does not have to struggle with all of the contending pressures of life alone. And in salvation... The Bible says God's spirit will come and make your spirit alive again to the things of God and to the heart of God and the will of God. And Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I can harness my life to Jesus Christ and my, my spirit where my willpower uh, emanates from no longer has to do things in the dark and no longer has to do things alone. Um, to think that my human spirit could be enlivened and in partnership with the Spirit of God gives me at the core of my life an energy like, a, like a, um, an engine room in which will can be exercised. And when the, the human spirit um, is energized to will, then you have the capacity to go to war against all of the contending options of life and you can engage deliberately with truth and find the power to do what's right. We're talking about the power to do what's right. Taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's take a couple of quick calls here, Alan, because I don't want to miss uh, what is uh, one of those uh, key uh, pieces in the jigsaw puzzle that it helps to bring all of this together in just a few moments. But let's hear from Sean in Australind in Western Australia. Hello, Sean. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. Hi, Dr. Alan. Um, Sean, what are your thoughts? My thoughts, I just had a, a scripture verse, uh, Proverbs 20, verse 5, where it says the purpose of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. And uh, with uh, the doctor's conversation and yours, I, I started thinking about, um, you know, even we're reconciled with Christ and, you know, we're the sons and daughters of a living God. But also in that reconciliation with Christ, we also need reconciliation with each other and how the importance of uh, honest relationships with each other, that through the body of Christ, we're accountable with each other as well. Mm. Uh, that's good stuff. Your response, Alan? Oh, absolutely. See, culture is a very powerful thing for, for good and for evil. Um, a healthy church is to surround yourself with men and women who, are, who have a des deep desire to do what's right and have a desire to... Um, allow God to reconstruct their identity as sons and daughters of God, and then begin to learn how to express that well. Um, how do you show love? Um, how, how do you express love? Um, how do you win the war against um, the, the distractions that would love to bring you to a place of divorce or adultery or um, 
the misuse of your body or your time or your your energies. How do you do? Well, culture is one of the when culture is not working against you and it's working for you, it simply reinforces all of the good stuff that the Holy Spirit wants to do in a person's life. Um, culture is a huge issue, and that's why being uh, being at least in partnership with one or two others, Jesus said, "Where there's two or three gathered together in my name, I'll be there in the middle." And that's that's the power of culture. Thank you so much to Sean from Australind in WA. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to be part of our conversation. Let's hear from Steve near Coobapedi in South Australia. Hello, Steve. Welcome along. Steve, are you with us? Steve, you might like to call us back, 1-800-316-316. Alan, uh, we won't won't take any more calls for now because I don't want to miss uh, what is one of these wonderful understandings and concepts that we have from the Scriptures, this idea of a person being regenerated. Uh, Tell us about how deeply this concept of regeneration affects what we're talking about today in uh, this ability to do what is good and what is right. Yeah, no, well, regeneration goes to the the core and the heart of um, everything. It goes to the heart of faith, it goes to the heart of obedience, and um, the, the reality is that once we appreciate the fact that a human being is not simply a very complex um, biological system, but it's a very complex biological system in which a human spirit has been um, given to live. And the, the essence of a human life is that spirit that is within. And the, the sad, the tragedy of the fall was the darkening and the dying or the death of the human spirit. God said to Adam, the day in which you sin, you'll most surely die. And the instantaneous response of Adam's spirit um, dis- being disconnected from the spirit of God was this um, instantaneous experience of embarrassment and feeling inadequate and feeling vulnerable, the fears then God comes searching for him, and next thing he's filled with a different kind of a fear, the feeling of the guilt and shame that causes a person to actually hide from the presence of God rather than run to the presence of God. That's what a darkened spirit will do. A darkened spirit fears the presence of God rather than running to the presence of God. It's one of the reasons why alternative religions uh, abound in the world, because the human spirit by essence is searching for some kind of spiritual connection but connection with the god who is actually there is too frightening and so we end up uh, moving to deities and spirits that uh, we feel like we can manage and alternative religions are an expression of that but when god's spirit comes to a human uh, human spirit and makes it alive again to the things of god um, suddenly all that was difficult and, and all that was impossible becomes possible in the life of a person where Christ has made the human spirit alive to himself and where he himself has now joined himself to that spirit. See, the, 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 in many ways, regeneration is like marriage. Um, the Bible, and that's sex, uh, the, the whole creation of sex and marriage is in many ways a parable of spiritual intimacy. For this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Well, the Bible says he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. And this is what makes worship and Bible study 
and uh, deliberately seeking the presence of God, such a vital and powerful experience to this nurturing, this uh, inward spiritual connection that we have with the, with the power of, of God and the, uh, the, the character of Jesus that takes place at the core of my human life. The more I nurture that, it's like nurturing a marriage relationship. The more a man nurtures a relationship with his wife, the sweeter and the more influential that relationship becomes. Out of that comes every good thing. And uh, once the human spirit has been made alive, it has the capacity to make choices that are impossible for a spirit that is alienated from the presence of God. So it's not, it's not only made alive, but then it's strengthened to be able to make the, choose the kind of values and choose the kind of behaviours that um, allow life then to unfold. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Coral in Cooma. Hello, Coral. Welcome along. Hello. What are your thoughts, Coral? Look, I'm only going to make this brief, but I would like to thank you for this conversation because it... It illuminates to us what's, what we've got to do, you know, in our Christian life, unless we were tiny little children or something. But I was just saying to the man that I have met a couple of older sober members of AA who, in their sobriety, um, became Orders of Australia for something. And they had absolutely been through the pits, if you know what I mean. Yep. And that type of... I don't know what it is, fellowship um, in, in you know, uh, uh, they were Christians actually, but that's so different to superficial fellowship in church sometimes and things like that. And I think this is what Alan's talking about. That was my comment. And I, I just, I, uh, one man I'm thinking of, he got a, he, he contributed to the world of surfing and his first life had been like a total mess. But it was such a surfing gentleman, I could hardly believe it. You know? Coral, let's get a response from Alan to the sorts of things that Coral's sharing. Look, I think what Coral's saying is absolutely true. The um, Alcoholics Anonymous appreciated um, the fact that the, the, uh, the environment of healing has to be one in which there's humility and there's honesty and there's an appreciation for the importance of the struggle that we're involved in, the need to engage beyond ourselves with the Spirit of God. I mean, um, in the 12 steps, they call it, uh, I acknowledge that I need the help uh, of myself. I was, um, I was, um, that my desire for alcohol become unmanageable and uh, this recognition that there's humility and the need for the higher power and so on. All of that goes back to the words of Jesus. Now, uh, the, the reason the church could learn something from Alcoholics Anonymous is the recognition that all that they actually do in Alcoholics Anonymous is they do the Sermon on the Mount. If you could get every church to do what we call in, in um, our Care Force Life Keys, we call it the arena of healing, and we take the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes basically... Jesus spelled out, if you want the blessing of, of God, if you want the blessing of the kingdom of heaven to touch your life, here are the eight things that you need to pay attention to. Humility, emotional honesty, uh, a heart in which you are tender and willing to change and hear truth that changes your life. You need to accept personal responsibility to pursue it. 
You need to engage with the both to give and receive forgiveness. You need to look at the motives of your heart. You need to take personal relationships and the rebuilding of personal relationships seriously. And you need to engage uh, courageously in the war. And that's exactly what AA did. Um, often churches have failed to appreciate that the real dynamic of community that allows for people to begin to learn how to, make, uh, how to do what's right is one that is highly emotional and connected and, and vulnerable and transparent and all of those things that lead people to being able to not only uh, learn how to make good decisions but be encouraged in the process by others who are doing the same thing. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Dr. Alan Meyer, our guest, and time for perhaps one more call. Let's hear from Ruth in Brisbane. Hello, Ruth. Welcome along. Hello, yes. Um, I was just saying that um, I think that there's... Um, uh, well, I just looked up a scripture. Therefore, um, know this, and woe to the earth and the sea, for with great fury the devil has come down to you, knowing that his time is short. Well, he only has a short time, and... I feel that that is truly happening and we're battling not against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers and the demons I think have been unleashed upon the earth too and there's a lot of evil things happening and inventions. The Bible says in the last days men will be inventors and knowledge will increase but inventors of evil things. And, um, Ruth, I'm know, going to cut you short internet. because of time, but great thought in there because it's not just the inner contradictions and the challenges in our own hearts, but there's also forces from the outside. Alan Meyer, your response? Yeah, I think that's what makes it so important to lean into Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples as he was about to ascend into heaven, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Yep, there are, there are all kinds of forces arrayed against us. But I want to tell you, when Jesus is for you, you have engaged with the one who sits on the top of the, on the throne. Um, I think one of the most important things anybody can ever know in their life is how do I get this regeneration? Um, how can my spirit come alive again? Well, the Bible says this. Um, he came unto his own. And his own received him not. But as many as received him, he gave him power to become the, the children of God. The, the way in which you're born again is to hear that Jesus loves you. To hear that God sent his own son into the world to take your sins upon his life, to carry them to the cross, to put them to death there, that it might be possible for you to not only be forgiven, but to become a child of God. To hear that and in your heart say, Lord, I embrace you. Now, maybe you've been listening to this today and you say, I have struggles with all kinds of things. And you will. Followers of Jesus have struggles with things. But they don't struggle alone. By the grace of God, they, uh, they uh, face every one of their struggles with the presence of Jesus, their spirit alive. And so the ability to will and stay in the battle until the battle is won. And maybe you're listening today and you have never said yes to Jesus. You have never simply said to Jesus, I want you to be the ruler of my life. I want you to make my spirit alive. I want you to join with my spirit and give me the inward power to, to will, to do what is right. And he'll answer that prayer. 
as many as received him, the Bible says he gave them power to become the children of God. And that's what you need. If you want to win in a war against, uh, against evil, you need the power to do what's right. You need to become a child of God. And Jesus is the door to the kingdom of heaven. Alan, let's take a moment uh, to actually pray a prayer. And I'll ask you to lead us, uh, listeners who've been uh, interested in this conversation, and we've been talking through these issues over this past hour. A good moment here to uh, make that first connection or even that reconnection or even a rededication of a, yeah. a heart and a spirit uh, that uh, is exposed in its fullness to God. Would you lead us in prayer, Alan? Yeah, and if this is you, I'm, I'm going to just say it at a pace that you could say it out loud right where you are. Uh, if you're in that position, say these words out loud. Heavenly Father, I need help. I've made a lot of mistakes. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Jesus, you died for me. You rose again. Come into my life. Make my spirit alive. Join yourself to my spirit. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Amen. And just a wonderful prayer to pray, and you can feel free to let us know if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, or you could let Alan know that you've prayed that prayer for the first time. Simply Google uh, what we've been talking about is Care Force Life Keys. That's the name of the ministry that Dr. Alan Meyer leads. You can certainly just Google Alan Meyer, but Care Force Life Keys. You'll find out how you can get some resources from Alan. Uh, simply uh, Google that uh, that website and you'll be able to make contact. Sure. Uh, Alan, yeah. Careforcelifekeys.org and they're there. That's it. Well, Alan, uh, thanks so much for taking some time to share these things with us today. Time has run out. We do have to say goodbye, but uh, let's do this again sometime soon. Yeah, love to do it. God bless, mate. And God bless to everybody. God bless you too. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.